0: Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web only sports programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. In the programme this week, we review the Black Caps' World Cup cricket efforts. Paddy O'Brien, the IRB's referee's boss, talks about scrum problems and who's to blame. The All Blacks winger Jose Aguirre tells us why his injury layoff hasn't harmed his World Cup prospects. And Spark Chief Executive Peter Miskimmon explains plans for a new one-stop shop for high-performance sport. And we hear from young Warriors player Glenn Fisiahi, who signed with the club through to 2015. The Black Cabs exceeded expectations at the Cricket World Cup and being the only non-Asian side to make the semi-finals. But again they fell short of the final. It's the sixth time in ten World Cups that New Zealand's reached the top four but failed to take the next step. Despite that, the tournament must be seen as a success given in the past six months, the Black Caps have lost one-day series to Bangladesh, India and Pakistan. Murray Williams spoke to New Zealand cricket CEO Justin Vaughan, who will be at the final between India and Sri Lanka in Mumbai, and asked him about his thoughts on the Black Caps' efforts.
2: A very spirited performance, I think. We saw some great determination and courage. Uh, They were really... You know, particularly just all team performances, and in those last two games, I think we're you know, really proud of the efforts they showed. I mean, in the end, we, I guess, came up against a familiar opposition and and struck a familiar problem, and that we were very well set uh, going into the last seven, or eight overs of our innings against Sri Lanka, but lost wickets when you know, we should have been trying to get to 240, we we were bowled all out, you know, for under 220. And that, in the end, I think, was the difference between success and failure. But, you know, a really good performance. I mean, the team's had had a pretty tough six months, uh, but I think they've emerged with a lot of pluses. Uh, You know, a lot of really good points have come out of this competition.
3: Given the build-up that they had that everyone uh, was very familiar with before, they went as fourth a good result uh, in relation to where Australia and uh, England and South Africa finished, perhaps?
2: To be the only non-Asian team to make the semi-finals on Asian conditions, I think you can view that as a positive, And I guess it's also perhaps recognition of the significant amount of cricket this team has played on the subcontinent over the last six months, um, which was deliberate. Uh, and so yes, I mean I, I guess we we all we're we're hoping for the team to go one step further and to make the final, um, which no New Zealand team has done before, and they and they did go close. So so there's disappointment in that regard. But I guess in looking at the overall competition and saying it made the final four, uh, the only non-Asian team to make the final four, I guess you've got to take that as a, as a good achievement.
3: How much credit can John Wright take for that?
2: I think a lot. I mean, it's always hard to to really be certain about you know what what's made this you know really click together. I think John has played a uh, an important part to that, uh, as well as his other coaching staff. In terms of Alan Donald's introduction and and Trent Woodhill, who's been in charge of the fielding, and I think we saw really impressive fielding display by this team uh, uh, during the competition. So John's played his part. I mean, obviously the players are in the end, they're the ones who need to deliver on the park and uh, they've been taking, I know, a lot more responsibility for their performances and, you know, it just seems as though this team is, at the moment is, is is working very well, both coaching and playing. Staff are, are, are working well together. I guess it's looking very positive for the future.
3: How much more involvement uh, is Alan Donald going to have with the side? Because he's off contract now, isn't he, or is about to be?
2: Yeah, that's right. I mean, um, we'll be talking with Alan over the coming weeks. Um, Just wanted to let him focus solely on the World Cup rather than getting him distracted with talks of uh, what he might be doing with New Zealand cricket over the next winter and, I guess, uh, an ongoing engagement with us. Uh, but he is someone who we've been impressed by. I think he's enjoyed his time working with the Black blackcaps and sees real potential for further growth in our bowling stocks. And we would like Alan to be able to be exposed, not only you know, working with our Black blackcap bowlers, but also with our young emerging class bowlers around the country. And so those are the types of things we'll be talking with him over the coming weeks. We haven't got anything finalised at the moment, but we are hopeful we'll be able to retain him. The pros and cons of it are that obviously everyone has seen an impressive Blake Cat's performance, and they've understood that Alan Donald's played a part in that. So all of a sudden, his, I guess, his, his visibility and his uh, the demand for him as an international coach will certainly increase. But um, you know, he'd like to think that a he's he's enjoyed his time with us. Um, there'll be a degree of loyalty to the fact that we've given him this break in international cricket, and I think he does really want to stay with us. So we've just got to figure out how that's going to work with his. You know, his family situation, his personal situation, how we can... If we can make that work for the for the best
3: of both of us, I mean, you got a lot further than a lot of people would have expected. That that might be seen in some way sort of papering over you know, ongoing problems such as the the inconsistency in the batting. I mean, you had two good starts in the quarterfinals and the semis, and then fell away and came up a little bit short. Got away with it against South Africa, but not against Sri Lanka.
2: Yeah, look, it's uh, I mean, it's work in progress. I mean, I don't think that there's a there's not a magic wand to suddenly turn us into a, a complete batting outfit that's going to score 300 every time they take the field. I mean, this, this will take time. Hopefully people understand that. But what we do want to see on every occasion is there's a degree of fight and a real uh, understanding and, and, and people seeing that this team is giving absolutely everything out on the field. And I think people saw that. Even though we lost those wickets uh, you know, towards the end of the innings against Sri Lanka... I think people could sense how desperate the team were to do well, uh, and I think that that, you know, that's we need to see that in every performance by the Black Caps, and obviously there will be attention paid on, on consistency of our batting performances, but that is not something that can be magically changed overnight.
4: Have you got
3: any concerns that you know, just as you seem to be, the team seems to be turning a corner. Dan's stepping down, another rebuild. You'll have presumably several players, a like Ross Taylor, for example, Brendan McCullum expressing interest in the captaincy. Is that likely to cause, a, I guess, a rethink in terms of whether you have a captain for uh, one day as one for 2020 and one for tests, for example?
2: I mean, we've got a bit of time now to collect our thoughts in that regard. We don't have another playing commitment until the spring, uh, until October. So, um, look, I mean, teams evolve and they regenerate over time. Dan uh, sticking down is, is certainly, you know, that, that changes the team dynamic. It's great that he'll be staying involved in, test match cricket. You know, and we're fortunate in a way that we've got, you know, we don't have that many, um, you know, players who'll be exiting this team. Uh, but there will be a chance to, I guess, bring some new guys into the fold as well. I mean, you know, that's just the reality of, of cricket. A lot of players, target the World Cup is I guess a career defining and perhaps in some cases a career ending event but we are not as badly hit as perhaps some other countries in that regard and I think we can can certainly take what we've seen here in in the subcontinent and you can actually see the, the bulk of this team remaining pretty much in place perhaps even for the next four years which I think is a real positive.
0: That's New Zealand Cricket Chief Executive Justin Vaughan talking to Murray Williams. Scrums have become a bugbear for players, referees and spectators alike in the Super 15, with plenty of time being wasted resetting them. Many are blaming the crouch, touch, pause and gauge law, but the International Rugby Board's head of referees, Paddy O'Brien, is putting the blame on the players. If you go to any
1: club game throughout the world, basically, whether it be in Australia, New Zealand, Ireland, Wales, wherever, anything up to the professional game, the scrums are not an issue. When we get into the professional game, it is an issue. And a lot of it, people are blaming on the crouch, touch, pause, engage sequence. Now, I don't think we've got that right. and I don't think rugby thinks it's got it right. But the actual calling of that sequence is not where the time is lost. The time is lost in teams taking their time assembling their scrum. And if you look nowadays when they put a scrum clock on the TV, by the time the referee calls crouch... Half the time is 30 to 40 seconds gone before even that stage. So I think what it is, it's actually the rest time for the players. Um, Before it used to be at line-out time, players would sort of wander to the line-out. Now with quick throw-ins, it's balls out, balls back in. So there's a huge issue there with the scrum and with the timing. Uh, As everyone well knows, we can't change anything between now and Rugby World Cup, but there certainly will be a group look at the whole scrummaging area of the game post-World Cup.
5: Paddy,
3: forgive me if I'm wrong, the law states that neither side can push until the ball is in the scrum. Surely the way the whole thing is being set up at the moment means that actually the push, there is confrontation, and therefore there is inevitably some movement before the ball even is in the scrum half's hands.
1: Yeah, no, or it's, it's in the scrum half's hands, but you're right. I mean, the scrum is a moving uh, prior to the ball going in. Has the law kept up with the game? That's, I suppose, the question that the, the scrum group that get together will have to ask. Uh, Or do we have to go back to passive engagement? There are all a number of issues that have to be discussed. But whilst you've got teams apart, and as you quite rightly say, then getting called to engage, there is going to be movement. So I don't think we should kill ourselves on that. That's a fact of what is happening at the moment.
3: Why not go back to the old scrum laws where there were hardly any collapses and that's when the scrums went down almost row by row and folded into the scrummage?
1: I think that's something that will, will be discussed. I think people need to remember the fundamental reason why the scrums are where they're at today, and that is safety, believe it or not. Since the crouch, touch, pause engage gauge been introduced, there is no evidence to show that there have been catastrophic injuries at the scrum time. Now, if you look at um, prior to that, there were several. So it is a safety issue and safety is always paramount to the game. Whilst it's not good on the eye, these are the issues that need to be discussed at length from all the stakeholders. So it's, a, look, it's not just a you and I solving it overnight by answering a question. Uh, it's a huge issue in the game. But pleased to say, at the moment, it appears to be the one big issue in the game, whereas a couple of years ago we had four or five, which I think uh, have been cleaned up.
0: That's IRB referees boss Paddy O'Brien talking to Chris Ray. You're listening to Extra Time, a web-only sports programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. The All Blacks and Hurricanes winger Jose Gear finally returns to the field this weekend after missing several rounds of Super Rugby through injury. Gere suffered a shoulder injury in the Hurricanes opening match against the Highlanders. He was one of the outstanding players on the All Blacks end of year European Tour and while being on the sideline in a World Cup year may worry many players, Gear's unfazed.
6: I knew that there was a long season um, ahead of me. so. Um, you know, I really wanted to start the season off very well, but uh, you know, injuries—you know—is all a part of the game, and, and sometimes you can't really control them. So you just really have to have to go with it. Um, uh, focus on 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 the task headier hand. Mine was to get my shoulder right, so um, I wasn't really thinking too much about missing, um, you know, missing out on a chunk of the season.
3: Was it uh, difficult also with the way that the team wasn't uh,
6: getting the results on the field? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I know. I think um, you know we probably lacked a bit of experience at the back there. Um, you know, Andre's been there for been there for a couple of years now, and, and we've got Julian on the other wing. So I guess um, you know I wanted to add a, add a bit more voice out there, and I was trying to do that um, with as many home games as, as we as we had. Um, just trying to um, you know chip in here and there and, and give the boys a bit of feedback, a bit of bit of encouragement, and that. So I guess hopefully um, hopefully that'll it will make a little bit of a difference uh, this weekend. Yeah. obviously a big year overall with the World Cup I mean All Blacks hopes ambitions you obviously had a good good season good run with them last year do you think this has been a setback being sat on the sidelines given other guys have had a chance to shine um, what I don't think so I guess for me um, you know, because my focus was I had to start all over again It was going to be a clean slate so um, you know, I wasn't really expecting, um, you know, too much at the start. And, and I mean, guys that are playing now are sort of setting the platform, which is, you know, which is great, and, and which is probably what you want as a as a, as a back coming or outside back coming um, back into the game. So they set the challenges, they set the platforms um, for me. So um, you know, I got to really try and go out there and match it. So it's probably a great position to be in.
3: The counter-attack has always been a big threat for the Hurricanes, but perhaps you know, there have been a few opportunities this season, but not
6: being able to finish them off, perhaps. Have you sort of observed that and perhaps what, what might be needed? Yeah, definitely. That's, that's another area of our game, you know, which has been our strength in the past, but um, one thing we noticed that from counter-attack, it's not really you know, all about the back three. It's about the guys that are getting back trying to help us because they actually create um, a lot of the space out there. So we've been working hard, you know, trying to work with our loosies, our forwards, trying to get them back um, to help us out because they really... Um, like I said create the space for us to, to have a go so um, you know we've had words to them and it's that's, that's an area of our game that we're trying to grow as well. It seems to be
3: just a few uh, simple errors you know drop ball here and there that it just seems to be
6: frustrating things is that sort of uh, compounding in some way do you think? Yeah I guess the ball's just getting uh, you know a bit too eager um, uh, we, we've been working on um, trying to be patient at times so we don't really have to throw those balls we you know, We've got you know, times on our side, we've got, we've got possession of the ball, so we, we found that um, at the early stages of the competition, the, the more times we held the ball, look after the ball, um, you know, we, we did things really well, so um, that's probably something that we've slipped away with um, the last couple of weeks, is you know, getting rid of those 50-50 um, those balls, I think. Have you sensed that the intensity this week's been a bit different to perhaps previous weeks, just... Guys are really determined to kind of right the wrongs from last week? Yeah, definitely. And I guess, you know, we're, we've brought into trainings, um, you know, some, some physical stuff, just to set that attitude, set the platform. But I think the boys uh, mentally pretty much know know where we're at. And, and it's good that they're, they're coming to trainings, they're prepared to, to do anything and, and, and they're pre- prepared to, you know, front up to, 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 to pretty much anything. So um, I think it's going to be really exciting this weekend. And, and I think they're all looking forward to
0: it. That's Hurricane's winger, Jose Aguirre. A new high-performance sports entity merging Spark's high-performance unit and the two New Zealand academies of sport has been announced by the government. The chair of Spark's high-performance board, Paul Collins, says there's an agreement in principle between the organisations involved to form the new body, which will be responsible for allocating over $60 million in high-performance funding. Collins says the merger will provide a more focused approach, linking a network of world-class facilities currently being developed around the country and take high-performance sport in New Zealand to a new level. The chief executive of Spark, Peter Muscimmon, says the change will have little impact on athletes' preparation for next year's London Olympics.
4: It's about future-proofing. Uh, the high-performance system. Uh, government announced uh, uh, you know, additional uh, uh, money for high-performance uh, last year, and this is about ensuring that the system uh, that we have to deliver world-class athletes to get world-class performances is, is future-proof for, for the needs and the capability in the future.
0: How, how's it going to work?
4: Well, at this stage, the, uh, the three organisations being been SPARC, uh, Spark High Performance Board, and the, uh, and the two, Academies of Sport, Academy of Sport, North Island and South Island, who are responsible for delivering uh, services to athletes. As three organisations have agreed uh, the opportunity to, to merge and to, and to create one uh, organisation rather than a three to deliver high-performance sport. Uh, the form and shape of that is, is, will be decided via a, a working group that's on that task at the moment. But look, it is good news that, that all three parties uh, and, and included in that is also the New Zealand Olympic Committee. So all of those organisations that are involved in high performance have all agreed unanimously to get around the table and work on a merger to bring those organisations together for the, to service athletes uh, and coaches better into the future.
0: When you say deliver high performance services, what do you actually mean? You're talking about the funding process, you're talking about centres, etc. What exactly do you mean?
4: i will cover three things really, one is, is uh, strategy, uh, one is investment and the other is, is delivery of operations. So one is, is w- w- what is the, uh, the strategy for high performance going forward, where should that money be invested, how much money should be invested and once that's determined the, the then how do we actually deliver sports science, medicine, you know, uh, coach support, uh, international competitions, how do we do that for sports and, and for athletes?
0: What difference will athletes notice?
4: Well, in the short term, athletes shouldn't notice any difference. It's really important that they, their preparation for whatever pinnacle events and world championships and ultimately Olympic Games is not in, impacted by this. Uh, the, 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 uh, the three organisations are very adamant about that. Um, but over time, what it should is provide a, a, a one-stop shop opportunity rather than three or four uh, organisations that are involved in high performance. So it should be clearer and more streamlined in terms of the ability to access services and to, to get investment, um, and that should be the betterment of, of athletes overall.
0: That spark, CEO Peter Miskiman, and the final structure of the new organisation and what it will be called is expected to be announced in July. It's been a good week for the Warriors' young fullback, Glenn Fisiahi. The 20 year old's back in his preferred position for Sunday's NRL clash with Cronella and Topor, and he signed a contract that'll keep him with the Warriors till 2015. Fisiahi made his NRL debut on the wing in the season opening loss to Parramatta at Eden Park but coach Ivan Cleary's decision to drop the Kiwis fullback Lance Hohaya after the side's third straight loss of the season last round has Fisiahi in the number one jersey where he starred for the Junior Warriors last season Fisiahi told Murray Williams why he's decided to stay with the club for such a
5: long time I sat down with my manager and my family and we went over the contract and um we looked at the pros and cons, and um, one of the main reasons why I wanted to stay was um, I wanted to stay with my family, stay close to home, and um, I just love the Warriors' environment. And um, it was something that um, I played for during the preseason games, and um, yeah, it's also one of the main reasons was um, it's also an opportunity to get into um, studying as well. And um, I started for and that's something I'll be looking to do um, as the years progress. What are you studying? Um, at the moment, um, I've come, I'm gonna give this year just a break because um, I, I was studying last year and I found it quite full-on with the twenties and the twenties as well. And um, yeah, just this year, I just want to um, just want to have a break and get a feel of um, this being my first year and first year. I just want to get a feel of um, what the training environment's like and stuff, and um, hopefully get get back into it next year.
3: You're back in your preferred position, so the Sharks, probably one of the form teams of the competition so what are you hoping to uh, be able to show to the fans on, on Sunday afternoon?
5: So basically just show them um, what I'm capable of and that's uh, running off the big boys and um, yeah, just hopefully scoring tries.
3: Because line breaks have been a bit of a, uh, a scarcity this, uh, so far this year,
5: haven't they? Yeah, it has and I um, can't really say much on that because um, I've only played one game so yeah.
3: You're hoping to change that? Yeah. What have you made? Have you seen much of the sharks? I and mean, their, their forwards gave uh, St George a bit of a pounding.
5: Yeah, I watched that game and um, big boys and um, hopefully, hopefully move them around, get them tired, and um, take my
0: opportunities from there. That's Warriors player Glenn Fisiahi talking to Murray Williams. And that's extra time for this week. Remember, you can get all the latest sports news on our website, RadioNZ.co.nz. I'm Stephen Houston. Bye for now.